This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, as usual with me in studio this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz, welcome back and uh, how are you doing? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. uh, Certainly, uh, we've got an interesting show today. Just want to uh, uh, preview uh, guests that we have on the show today today. Shortly after the first break, uh, uh, NFL-CFL legend, uh, Canadian University football legend, and currently the Director of Athletics and Recreation at Brock University, Neil Lumsden will be joining us. Uh, We've had Neil on the show uh, before, and he's certainly certainly an articulate, great interview. And uh, in the middle of the hour, we'll be talking a little bit of golf with Rob Roxborough. Rob Roxborough is the Executive Director of the National Golf Club of Canada, one of the world's great golf courses. And we'll be talking uh, all things golf with Rob. We've got the Canadian Open coming up uh, this week at the Abbey, and certainly we'd love to chat about that. And, of course, today, uh, shortly we'll be teeing off. Uh, Phil the Thrill and Henrik Stenson are going to go toe-to-toe at the uh, at the Open Championship over on the other side of the pond. So that certainly should be a thrill. Uh, recap uh, last Sunday when we left the show, Naz, it was uh, go Milos go and go Canada go. I uh, hope we didn't put the uh, put the pox on them because neither one of them came through. But we're proud of both of their performances. And, of course, Portugal surprisingly won the Euro and uh, I was kind of happy to see that. You know, that was the biggest soccer victory in the history of that nation. And uh, as you and I, we grew up with some Portuguese friends and we've got Portuguese family and uh, uh, we know some Portuguese people. We're certainly thrilled for them. I was certainly uh, one of my best friends when I was younger was uh, of Portuguese heritage and I was absolutely thrilled for him and for the nation of Portugal. Uh, interestingly enough, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't finish the yeah, game. But, I felt uh, sorry for him, really. Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, but, uh, you know, there's no question he's, uh, he is the marquee star on that team, and they centered the team around him, and, uh, you know, good for him. You know, he's, he's certainly, I mean, I've had my criticisms of Cristiano Ronaldo, some of his antics on the field, but uh, he is... Uh, one of the top two players of his generation. I rank him up there with Lionel Messi. I think Messi's perhaps a better player in different ways, but Ronaldo is certainly uh, one of the great, great soccer players of all time, and it certainly was great to see him, um, you know, achieving that. Uh, Well-deserved. I, I mean, I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, and uh, for all the Portuguese... That was fantastic. And they, they deserve to win that game. Yeah. They, they uh, weren't outplayed by any means. Yeah. Uh, a few bounces go their way, but uh, 
They won the game, and that's all that counts. Milos Raonic, uh, we talked about him last week. Uh, and we're going to be talking about him a little bit more in the next couple of weeks because uh, last Sunday we talked with uh, with Carl Hale, the tournament director of the Rogers Cup and the Rogers Cup. What a terrific interview that guy is. Uh, Carl. Certainly Carl, really terrific. Well. Very well accomplished done. man. And uh, later on in the hour, stay tuned. Uh, listen in. Get your fingers ready because we will be giving away uh, free Rogers Cup passes for the Tuesday night session, two tickets, the evening session, parking pass, $25 Pizzaville gift certificate. Pizzaville is a big sponsor at the Rogers Cup and big supporters of the Rogers Cup, and they've graciously donated uh, that we're big, we are going to be giving away on the air today. Once again, two passes, two free passes to the Rogers Cup on the Tuesday night session with a parking pass and also a $25 Pizzaville gift coupon. But going back to Milos, certainly his, his tremendous accomplishment at Wimbledon. He didn't win. Uh, played well, uh, ran up uh, against the uh, immovable force in Andy Murray. Um, there were some key points in that match, perhaps, where it could have gone either way. But Murray, uh, just a little bit tougher on that date than Milos. But, you know, we, we He's talk, getting closer, though. Um, Seems like he's getting closer and Yeah, closer. Talk, talk a little bit about that, because you've noticed that. Uh, I mean, you had some criticism in the past, perhaps, about his fitness uh, level. His fitness level, but... Uh, uh, you know, it seems he's taken his game to a different level. Uh, what do you see? It's in this game? funny. You know, two years ago I mentioned that, and I didn't think his fitness level was there. And uh, they interviewed him uh, about a week ago, and he was talking about his what he eats and uh, his training and that, and how it's improved so much. And I think that takes time. And he'll, I think he'll get there. I think he really will. I, I, I think this move of bringing John McEnroe on board for a little bit, I don't know what McEnroe's doing more, but I don't know if he's a technical advisor or uh, working with Milos' uh, psychology or his mental toughness or whatever, but McEnroe... I mean, you remember those battles back in there the old days. There was a guy days, that was Nas. mentally tough. Oh, I mean, I mean, some of the great battles, tennis battles. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, I that's when I thought... I mean, we're, you know, we're Zoomers. We tend to think and look back on the old days and always think that, you know, maybe things were better. And, of course, they're not, you know. I mean, it's generation by generation. But when we grew up watching tennis, McEnroe, uh, Connors, Borg. Lendl. Lendl. Uh, I even go back as far as Rod Laver and, uh, and, and Nastasi and some of those guys. But McEnroe, man, he was, he was a beast on the court. I mean, if there wasn't a more mentally tough athlete than this guy. And I think he's perfect for Milos. Milos seems, you know, Milos seems to have more of, not that he didn't have, I mean, he seems to have more of an edge now. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's certainly thrilled. I mean, that that match against Federer, he, I mean, he brought so much passion into it. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's Milos. I mean, you know, I don't know to what extent you give John McEnroe credit for that. But uh, I, I, I can't think but having McEnroe in your corner can't, from a psychological point of view, can't be of tremendous benefit. I mean, he was the ultimate, ultimate competitor. Um, Certainly, and so we're really looking forward to Milos and the uh, Canadian Open uh, Tennis Tournament. We want a preliminary announcement. We'll, we'll say it right now. We've got confirmed for next Sunday, Kelly Mermitz, who uh, was on the show uh, last year. Uh, Kelly Mermitz, the uh, chief of Tennis Canada, and she's, uh, she's a dynamite, uh, accomplished woman, and we're certainly looking forward to uh, to talking to her next Sunday about the Rogers Cup. Uh, 
The other big event uh, from last Sunday that didn't go well, and we chatted a little bit about it last Sunday, and uh, uh, Canada basketball. We didn't get the result we deserved. Uh, no, not sorry, sorry. We didn't get the result we wanted, not necessarily that we deserved it. We lost to France, and this all arose because of a, of a, of a terrible performance. I think it was Venezuela. Where we last year in in the playdowns, yeah, they beat them by thirty points, and then, and then they lost to them, and, and lost them in at at the last minute in this controversial call in, in a game that everybody just assumed that Canada was going to win and Canada was going to be in the Olympics, and uh, you know we had to go uh, in this playdown, and you know Canada played fairly well uh, until we got to France, and you know France is a good international team; they always have been, and we just didn't have enough. Um, and there's been there's been criticism going around. Um, some guys didn't show up. Some yeah. of our best didn't show up. Andrew Wiggins didn't show. Andrew up. Wiggins didn't show up. And um, you know everybody's got their own reasons. Um, and you know whether we want to criticize them or not, you know that's that's up to. Uh, to up to whoever wants to criticize them. But I will make note of this, and you made note of it, Naz. Um, Tristan Ch- Tristan Thompson showed up. Showed up. NBA final. Played in the NBA, NBA final. Yeah. NBA champion. Yeah. Played till the middle of June. Uh, played all year round, and he showed up. And I want to. And big I, minutes. I'm, he plays big, big minutes, minutes with Cleveland. And you know what? Take the opportunity to those and and Corey Joseph, the Toronto Raptor. Man, he put he put his heart and soul into this team, and you know. Uh, Steve Simmons made a, a point in the Toronto Sun this morning. You know, it's, it's Corey Joseph did a fantastic job. It's, it's a shame that some of his buddies didn't show up to play. Uh, but Canada basketball, it's a golden generation. I think we have some great results to look forward to. Anyways, it's time to go to our break. We'll be right back after the break with Neil Lumsden. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville became the official pizza of the Rogers Cup, presented by National Bank. Order from Pizzaville before July 17th and you'll have a chance to win one of six pairs of front row seats to Championship Weekend. We're the official pizza because Pizzaville pizza is like a hard serve. It's so good, you can't return it. Booyah! Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636, not pound 3636. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. There's an old saying. 
Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And as mentioned earlier, uh, hang on. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be giving away free passes for the Rogers Cup Tennis Tournament. should be a spectacular event coming up at the tennis facility at York University starting July 23rd. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour, Neil Lumsden. Neil, of course, uh, is a former Canadian uh, university football legend, CFL star, and also in the CFL, uh, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Good morning, Neil. How are you this morning? I am fabulous. How are you guys? We're doing great, and thank you so much for joining us. And we'd like to start off by congratulating you. You are now uh, installed as the new <laughs> Director of Athletics and Recreation at Brock University. Congratulations so much on that appointment. Thanks. It's been, uh, yeah, I think I'm still a little bit wet behind the ears. Not two. It's been five months now, or five, almost six months, and it has been uh, tremendous. What a great group of people, and uh, I'm, I'm loving it. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit, Neil. What's, uh, what are your, uh, what are your goals? What, uh, what do you ought to accomplish as the new director of athletics and recreation at Brock University? Well, I think there's a, there's a, there's quite a list actually. Uh, I think one of them is, you know, I've always felt, and 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 I think, um, I've, it's been like this. At least my thought process has been like this for years. Given, I've, I've coached a lot in the last five years. I coached at the University of Guelph in the football program. Is that when you're in that environment full time, you're you know you're responsible to try to create a great experience for students, all students. Um, and when it comes to athletics and recreation, when they're in that part of the university, really have something available for them so they can improve. If they you know the students can uh, can stay fit and enjoy intramural sports and get involved in the culture, the sport culture at the university. And when it comes to the varsity side and the club side, is give these young men and women, the, the athletes, a chance to achieve what they want to achieve. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, it's going back quite a ways, but it is when uh, at the University of Ottawa, I was, uh, when I went there, and that was one of the things my coach, Don Gilbert, had said to me and my parents that was, look, we're going to, this isn't about getting Neil to the pros. This isn't about anything. This is about creating a great experience for him at the University of Ottawa. And I, I've, I've held that close uh, with respect to, sort of a, a mandate and I felt that way when I was at Guelph and I felt that way when I've coached anywhere and and I feel even stronger about it now that I'm at Brock. Neil, is there any chance of uh, Brock getting a football program? 
together. <laughs> Thought I'd ask well, that question. Well, there's a chance of me winning the Open, too, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> if someone flies me over and I can make the cut, there is that chance. Um, as uh, as everyone will watch with a uh, very keen interest today, I'm sure. Not me at the Open, but just the Open in general. The uh, I, I suppose down the road, I it, you know, it was asked, it's been asked a lot by students when, of course, a lot of the students are gone right now. There are some there for the summer, but most of them are gone. And a lot of them ask the same question. That I said, well, I'll never do anything like that on the backs of the existing sports. And we're we're charging in a lot of areas at, at varsity sport and basketball and men and women's and hockey. And we're one of the top, if, well, we are the top uh, school in wrestling in the country, thanks to Marty Caldwell and his team uh, for the men and women. And, uh, curling, we, we do a lot of things really well. We're going to do more things well, and we're going to continue to try to strive. But yeah, it, it takes a lot of dough. It really does to to even run the program. And I don't think it's more about running; it's about setting yourself up uh, to be able to compete. And and Carl did just a great job uh, under the direction of John Ruddy and a group of people. And you know, people might know John Ruddy, uh, ex. He's an alum of Carlton. He's also the owner, one of the owners of the Ottawa Red Blacks, and he was the driving force, being an alum at uh, Carlton, to bring that program back. And I'm glad he did, because uh, it really is. Uh, it was it was too bad it left, and you know they dominated in basketball for all those years on the men's side, but now they're uh, under Steve Samara are starting to make some noise on the football side. But they needed a lot of dough to get it going, and um, and unless there's someone out there that's interested in developing football at the next level Niagara in the St. Catherine's region because I don't know how much you guys have followed it, but there's been a lot of very, very good football players that have come out of that region, yep. this region, uh, in the last 10 years. So it's not there's no shortage of talent, I'll tell you that. We're talking to Neil Lumsden. And Neil, you've been involved with uh, college football in Canada probably uh, for a good part of your life. Um, what is this, what is the state of college football in Canada today? Is it uh, is it thriving? Is it uh, 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 better than we when we were younger in the seventies when we had those all those Ottawa GG Western Acadia battles? Uh, what's the state of college football in Canada? That's a great question. Actually, when you when you really drill down on it, I I, I think there are a few answers. I think the the one answer that that comes to mind is the level of competition is just really, really good. The athlete, uh, as because of what's available to them, uh, is, are you know they're bigger and stronger and faster. Are they better football players than they were in the '70s, '80s, '90s? I'm I'm not sure about that, but they're better prepared because there are some pretty. There's probably more of them now because of that, because of the way we train and the way we look at the sport. Uh, the coaching is is tremendous. I mean, it really is, and I and I say that um, because I've gone down to coaches' clinics in the U.S. and the NCAA, and you know, as a staff at at Guelph, and and I'd look around and I'd see a lot of these coaches, and there's some great coaches down there. But you know, we can match up in many ways, uh, technically, and the way we approach the game, though our game is a little bit different with most people. So uh, on that level, yeah, the coaching has been just tremendous, both as a whole and individually in development side. And I would take that, drop that down into the varsity sports, you know, the summer football and, and a lot of the high school as well. So uh, the, the one thing that I find disappointing is that the, it depends on where you go, but, you know, the support on campus to me has never been something. It's never been part of the culture in a lot of these schools. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good, but I, I always hearken back to relationships of, of 
friends that I have that I've played with over the years that were in school in the NCAA and Division One and Division Two, and it really became part of that culture that you would go to a football game. That's just what the student body did. Uh, it was ingrained in them in their freshman year, and then it just carried on because they had a heck of a time, and it, and it was an important part of their experience. So I'd like to see that start to come back, and I think there are ways to do that, but there seems to be a bit of a reluctance to not force, but make that part of a first-year experience. Because freshmen have got so much coming at them, right? It's uh, it's crazy. And the reason they're there is to get an education and graduate and go on and, and sort of get ready to lead the rest of us as we fade into our, our grayer years. But um, I think we could do a better job there because in the long run, it, it, everyone wins. Neil, uh, I want us to talk about the Argos a bit. Um they opened the season with a crowd of over 24,000, and the second game was a disappointing crowd of about 12-3. Right. You, went, you came into a situation in Hamilton that's similar to this. Not You didn't have a new stadium at the time, but it's similar to this, where the season ticket sales were like 3,100 when you came into Hamilton, and I think when you left the Tide Cats, it ended up being over 12,000. How, how, how should the Argos approach this? Because you have all the experience there for them. Have they ever asked you that? Oh, no. No, I, there's um, the, the questions that have been asked. And a good memory, by the way. We had, uh, yeah, we, we, I think we ended up, we settled after a couple, by the time I was gone at about 12 and a half, and we got it almost up to 16,000 in that one drive. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you hate to say, um, and it's a different market, it's a different landscape. Um, I love the stadium they're in. I think BMO is just outstanding. It's, I've been down in that area. I've been on the field. Uh, it is a. It would be a real cool place to play. I think. I think the players are probably would agree with that or are agreeing with that. The environment, the stadium has been built out, so it's it's very football like. It's in a great location, accessible. Um, uh, but you, you know what's interesting, and I you know I, I caught some. A media report the other day that they launched the I think it was the Grey Cup prices. Yes, and yes. there was a criticism that seemed like that. Well, why are you charging this much money? Um, well, no one ever goes after the Maple Leafs uh, <laughs> for charging what they charge when they've been crap for the last ten years. They so don't, true. you know, the the scrutiny on the sport I think is a little bit unbalanced. Um, there there isn't a an event in this country I don't I don't care what it is uh, like the Grey Cup. Uh, when it brings people together, it sells out almost every year. Uh, it's an experience second to none, and all those things that you want from a fan's perspective. And I thought I just thought that was a little—they uh, pardon the pun—it was a little bit offside on the reporting. So when you hear things like that, people go, "Oh yeah, you're right." Uh, and I think that the culture in Toronto—it's changed very much. It's changed a lot, and uh, I think the fans are there. I think it's. Um, I don't think you should ever give your product away, and that's something we stopped doing in Hamilton uh, during that period of time where uh, there was an expression that you pay for the house, you bring in the helicopter, and you drop tickets around town, and you get people to come for free. Well, that's great early, but it doesn't, sa- it doesn't solve your problem. It looks okay for the first couple games, and I'm not saying the Argos did that. I'm saying how we approached it. But you need to have value attached to what you're selling. So we did that. We created packages and, and, and created actually a mandate that gave to our that we signed and gave to our fans uh, on a per, for performance. We did things a little bit differently that were a lot of people said you can't do that, but we did it. And and the great part is we had 
the Ron Lancaster as a head coach, McManus and Flutie and Hitchcock and Morel. I mean, we had some great players, so we knew where we were going, as Toronto does. Um, it just has to be a different approach. But, I, you know, if, a, if you're a fan of, of sport and football and you're not going down to watch them play at that stadium, there's something wrong. And as we were talking to Neil Lumsden, and uh, uh, I want to thank you for your time this morning, Neil. One one quick last question, and, uh, you know, we're uh, – you know we're we're big uh, CFL fans. Uh, Naz and I certainly from uh, from the old days. We saw a lot of your career. You played. Uh, you've devoted most of your life to uh, to football in Canada. And uh, how important is how important is the CFL to Canada? You've been around for such a long time. Yeah, well, don't say such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, you know, I no, I, feel I like apologize. I feel even sore than I do. Uh, I apologize, <laughs> but reality hurts sometimes, Neil. Oh, no, it's not the reality that hurts. It's the bones and everything else. Actually, we, we miss you on the amazing race this year. We, uh, we, we, oh. lo- we, loved you. we loved you last year. I know you were in the thick of it. So. Oh, yeah, well, that was fun. That's a whole other conversation. I wouldn't change that for the world with Chris and I. But, yeah, you know, where does it it, it, it is one of the things, and I think I, I, it's, I drill back to what, and, and sort of let's go in reverse, with, with the Grey Cup Festival, with the Grey Cup game and the experience is the fans. And I think when, I think it was, I can't remember what year this was, but when Baltimore was part of the CFL and then they left the CFL, um, uh, you know, when Tracy Ham was down there and uh, through the expansion years, and then that faded away and then we, we, you know, we retrieved back and it was just as Canadian teams. But the guys from and gals and the fans from Baltimore used to come to Hamilton a lot to, to watch games. Um, and I remember talking to them one, uh, at one point, and this is so, uh, close to the end of my time at the Tiger Cats around 2000, and um, just saying, that them saying to me, just what a wonderful experience, and they had now got into the Grey Cup theme of things, and they'd come up to all the Grey Cups. They say, you know, the Super Bowl's great, and all these other the championships are great, but there's only one really for the fans that are celebrated uh, in and around the game for the fans. It's not easy expensive. The players are accessible. They don't massive barrier around the game itself and then everyone else. There is obviously some speed bumps. You can't get too close. But at the same time, you're still very connected. And I said, that's one of the great things about Canadian football. And, and, I, and you know, when you look back, no matter what time, back to Russ Jackson, through the warm years, through to now, our players – or I have players are so accessible and 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 so down to earth with respect to their approach that it's easy to get close to them. And when you can get close to them, you get close to the game. Been talking and, and oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Neil. No, no. And once you're close to the game, you know you you become passionate about it. We've been talking to Neil Lumsden. Neil, of course, uh, we thank you so much for taking the time for us oh, this morning. And uh, all we can say is we wish you the best of luck on this uh, great new appointment. You're the Director of Athletics and Recreation at Brock University and making a difference in young people's lives. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll, uh, we'll, make, uh, we'll make some noise. Good stuff. Thanks, Neil. All right, guys, take care. Take care. Have a great day. That, of course, was Neil Lumsden. We're going to go to break. I just want to remind our listeners we have our Pizzaville contest coming up later on in the hour. And we'll be back right after the break talking some golf with Rob Roxborough, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada. We'll be right back.
It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams or special ops units. Go, 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 go. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And once again, if you're listening in downtown Toronto and the condo towers are interfering with your reception, you can tune us in on 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Rob Roxborough. Rob is, of course, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada, one of my favorite golf courses in the world and certainly one of the top golf facilities in the world. Rob, welcome back. How are you? Wonderful, and thank you very much for having me back. It's an exciting weekend to be a golf fan, that's for sure. I know I know you're busy up there. It's a club championship weekend up at the National Golf Club of Canada, so we thank you for taking the time for us today. Of course, there's a big event happening on the other side of the pond, uh, which the, the, two, uh, the two combatants are probably teeing off as we speak. That, of course, is Phil the Thrill, Mickelson, and Henrik Stenson. And uh, just want to talk a little bit about playing golf on a link style course it's certainly 
you know, the National Golf Club of Canada is uh, the, certainly uh, a fantastic, great golf course, and in my opinion, the, the best course in Canada. And it's designed in a certain way, but golf over on Lynx-style courses over in Scotland is a different game. Uh, what different skill set does it take to be successful on a Lynx-style course, or how do, how, do you, how do you play the game differently on a Royal Troon as opposed to a National Golf Club of Canada? You know, the one thing about, you know, playing well at any golf course, but especially overseas, is the, is the precision of the strike. You know, hitting, there's, there's people who flight the ball, and then when they hit it, it kind of floats, and then there's those that, that hit it and it flies heavy, much like a boxer. And being a jobber versus a, you know, a, a power puncher, to be a power puncher where you can really flight the ball, control your levels of trajectory is really one of the most important things in playing well at Lynx Golf. The other thing is the instinct that we build here in North America has to somewhat be erased from your mind, and that is you don't always shoot at the flag or go flag hunting when you're over there. You have to use a lot of the natural contours in order to be able to access the pins. You're rewarded for aiming away and letting you know the – you know, the way the ground is built or the terrain actually draw it toward the hole. So it's, it's a little bit of one part mental. The other part is the reward of the actual physical strike of the ball is, is very much over there. And uh, also the other thing, too, that I think is incredible is the short game. You know, when you're, you don't necessarily want to take your 60-degree wedge out of your bag when you're here in, in North America and flop it around, a lot of times, and much of it's to do with the wind, but the way the grass is and the terrain, you necessarily want to keep the ball lower, more trundling along the ground than it necessarily would be flop spin. And so those are some of the major differences. So reward of the strike and then short game uh, precision and, and the imagination that you want to have and kind of keeping it on the ground, if you will. It seems like the weather is a big factor in the British Open all the time, Rob. And uh, we saw it with Mickelson shooting uh, eight under the first day. And then second day, the weather conditions were fine when he played, but when the afternoon came, the scores were soaring. Um, how much of an impact does that have on the you know, tournament? A lot, actually, and that's a, great, that's a great point. You know, a lot of times this tournament is won by the draw, and it's won by what time you teed off. And those who played um, late early, late on Thursday, early Friday, definitely were the beneficiaries of having the best weather conditions to play in. And... And, you know, if that was the case, you know, it worked out to your benefit. I think that, um, you know, the, you know that, that's a major factor. The other part, too, about, about you know, links and wind and weather conditions is, you know, the one thing to watch in the viewers that are going to watch it this morning. You know, the wind right now on the first, four, on the first nine holes, this is a true Lynx-style golf course. And one of the things that we should have brought up before is Lynx is an outward nine and an inward nine. So you play nine holes, basically, if you will, drive, going away from the clubhouse. And then you play nine holes working your way back. You play completely opposite wind directions for the time that you're on each of those nine holes. The front nine today is going to be very gettable. I think that, you know, when you have Mickelson and the wind the way it is, and uh, it's different, the exact opposite that it was the first day when it was Florida, now they're actually playing over in Scotland. And I think it's very interesting um, that, that you're going to see the first four holes, all, four, all par fours basically under 400 yards. Uh, opposite of how we play PGA Tour golf, and certainly opposite of the last major championship we saw at uh, at Oakmont, where we had 288-yard par threes. Um, you know, this is certainly the difference. But you know, it just goes to show the precision is rewarded. Something that we talked about before, that you really have to place the ball well in those areas. But it's going to be today with the weather very interesting to see what gets out of the gate, who gets out of the gate first, how well they play the first seven gettable holes, and then turn around and how well they hit the ball into the wind coming back. 
Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to see Mickelson because Henrik Stenson, you need to move the ball right to left. So for Stenson not to draw, the flies much heavier, if you will, than, the, than a fade, which flies a little lighter. So it's going to be interesting to see if Phil recognizes that and really puts the pressure on himself to get out of the gate early and make some birdies. We're talking to Rob Roxborough, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada, and you you talked about one of the significant attributes to be able to play these link style courses, which is, uh, in quotation marks, imagination. And I think once you put imagination next to a golfer, I think you plug imagination in and it spits out Phil Mickelson. Um, certainly, uh, Mickelson had one of the great rounds in history when he, when he won the Open Championship a few years back. And uh, what is it about his game, that uh, imagination? Give us some uh, some examples of where... Uh, his game suits these types of courses. Well, I, you know, Phil, I, I think we saw a lot of it yesterday. And, yeah. you know, we're sure we saw it at Muirfield. And isn't it ironic that uh, that when Phil won, he was first and Henrik Stenson was second, <laughs> uh, you know, just those just a few years ago, back in 13. So, you know, it's almost a replay of that, if you will. But, you know, certainly we saw it yesterday when Phil didn't have great ball striking day. You know, he kind the driver kind of wandered on him. He putted okay, better than average, but missed a short one. But boy, I'll tell you, his wedge game was the difference. And, you know, the, the way the lay of the land, and we've seen it, those that have been able to watch, and if you haven't, please do today, that you can actually hit a shot on the green and it ends up in a bunker. That's yeah. contrary to everything that happens in North America. But the precision of the strike and how he is able to control his spin, his lob shots are incredible. He's probably, you know, the, the only person that might just be able to poo-poo what I said earlier. That is, you need to keep it along the ground. He doesn't. You know, he's that good. And growing up with a bunker with a, with a bunker and a green in your backyard and moundings around it was a blessing, and he used to spend hours under the lights out doing it. But you know something? He is... He sees shots differently. You know, it's, it's much like when you watch somebody take, you know, practice your short game. It's a lot like watching an artist paint. And it really is amazing watching the way he, he directs the blade through the grass or through the sand to be able to get the spin ratio and the elevation he wants in the ball. It's, it's incredible. We're uh, talking to Rob Broxborough. Uh, Rob, I want to take us back to this side of the pond because the uh, big men's tournament of the year in Canada is coming up at Glen Abbey uh, this week. And uh, that, of course, is the Canadian Men's Open uh, golf tournament. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a good friend of yours, uh, Mike Weir, uh, of course, uh, Bring us up to bring us up to speed and Mike and how how he's doing and uh, if he's uh, in fact going to be playing this week. He is. It was uh, and, and you know it's, it's another reason it's exciting to be a golf fan this weekend because his one one open kicks off you know uh, one finishes ours kicks off and um, you know it's going to be a great week and and Glen Abbey is familiar to so many players and uh, you know Weirsy's back and. You know, it was a year ago that he took a little bit of time off for or for a family situation that uh, that needed his personal attention. And Mike's family first, and there's no question about that. And I think that's one of the things that people love about him, and that he's you know so Canadiana in that, and that that's the way we would all want you know uh, to take care of our family, and that's the way he did for his. But you know, back to it in the golf side of things, uh, he's in great form. Um, had the, the chance to, uh, to he stayed with me at my house for four days about a month and a half ago. He just missed a cut at the, at the Byron Nelson and wanted to come up, and he's a, he's a member here at the National and wanted to come and hit some balls, and him and I have been longtime friends, as you mentioned. And watching him work on the range and watching what he's capable of doing now, um, the arm surgery had a handful of years ago is now there isn't a lot of hangover from it. It really allows him to, to hit almost unlimited golf balls, which is the first time, and he's getting stronger every, every year. Uh, but uh, I, I have to say his game is, is rounding into great form, and he hasn't had quite as many starts as he'd like. He 
tried to get into the Barbasol last week, but he ended up, I think, first or second alternate um, and wasn't able to play opposite the British Open that's going on this, this, current, uh, this current weekend. Uh, so he's, uh, he's going to come up and get, uh, get his game in shape. And, and uh, you know, he feels comfortable at Glen Abbey. Obviously, great memories uh, coming in, unfortunately, second to Vijay. Uh, those years ago, but uh, you know this is a club that, that that works out well for him, and and a golf course that suits his game. I, I think we could see something special from him just because of what he's going to be able to recall. Rob, uh, a lot of the golfers are pulling away from the Olympics. What is your feeling on that? You know, I, I'm mixed. You know, I, I I saw that there was a report that one of the executives at the Olympics said that it was because there was no money, and I find that insulting. I'm uh, to golfers. Uh, I don't think that that's the case at all. I'm not exactly sure it's also as much Zika as maybe we want to throw, you know, uh, you know, off, uh, spray off on our body indeed. I think it's as much as that, you know what, it's a busy schedule. It's crammed in, a, all the major tournaments are crammed into a very short period of time. What we build are, how you build the schedule and being down in Rio, even the, if these guys went down, they weren't going for the full two weeks and getting the, the entire athlete's experience. They were going to fly in, play in their tournament and leave. Um, we didn't grow up dreaming of gold medals being golfers. Um, you know, we've never had that opportunity. Uh, those in track and field and other sports, that is their goal. You know, we have four major championships, the advent of the World Golf Championships and a Ryder Cup and, and President's Cup, and, of course, being an American player. Those are the things you, you, you're on the putting green for all of us, and it's, uh, you know, 10 feet to win, and it's never been a gold medal when you're, when, you're, when you're a young person. So I don't think it resonates as much with a lot of the players, and I think that they see them, their own positioning of the top players being, you know, but if I can get a bit of rest before the uh, another World Golf Championship, a PGA Championship, a four tournaments in five weeks stretch for the uh, FedEx Golf FedEx Cup playoffs, and then you know a Ryder Cup, I think people are taking advantage of it, and I think that they're they're using this as an opportunity to rest. Yeah, they they're flying people over from the British Open plane, private planes to fly these guys to uh, Glen Abbey, and there's a lot of top players playing in the tournament uh, this uh, this weekend. And I agree with you. I think that uh, it's it's all about nothing, and and, and um, they deserve the break. It's too hard a schedule for them. You know, there's no break anymore. You know, and, and I'm not a big fan of the wraparound schedule that started a couple of years ago. With you know, 2017 starts in in October of 16. Um, I think they, I think of a bit of the, the the season gets lost, and and I don't think that that's that's fair. But at the same time, I think that we forgot that these guys started the 2016 season in October. Uh, of a year ago and uh, of last year rather and and I think it's important to to realize that there's a lot on them even when they have weeks off they're usually doing a charity tournament or have a foundation of their own or believe in something or some philanthropic interest or helping somebody out who played in their tournament to play in their tournament so I think it's you know there these you know to understand how busy the schedule is for for these players, and one thing I, I don't think a lot of sports fan, fans realize is, you know, unlike the Leafs and the Jays, uh, the Argonauts and the Raptors, these guys don't sleep in their own beds ever, and they're always on the road, and every game's a road game, and uh, it's taxing and tolling, and, you know, uh, many of these gentlemen have families, and they want to spend a little bit of time with it, so I think it's a good time to recoup before a busy and, and important stretch of the season. We've been talking to Rob Broxborough, the Executive Director of the National Golf Club of Canada, and Rob, uh, we certainly want to thank you for uh, for joining us this morning, and I, I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've got a really, really good boyfriend, boy, boy, uh, boyhood friend of mine from uh, from the old days who invites me up to uh, an event up at the National Golf Club of Canada. I only have one request for you, Rob. What's that? Can you please reduce the slope rating from 195 <laughs> to 
to, let's say, uh, a, a reasonable 135 before I come up there. We'll uh, do what we can. How's your game, Wally? Well, are, you, it, are you in form? It, my game, even if my game was in A-plus shape, uh, certainly your course has a way of humbling me. Let's put it that way. Uh, it does for most, my friend. It does for most. Anyways. But, but uh, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, and I hope you enjoy uh, today and enjoy next weekend at Glen Abbey. Thanks so much, Rob. It's always a pleasure having you. That, of course, was Rob Roxburgh. I want to go back to a point uh, uh, we were just talking about. Uh, and you know what? Before I go back to that point, it's time to give away our Rogers Cup, um, the, uh, the tennis uh, passes. Our phone numbers for two passes to the Rogers Tennis Cup at uh, York University. Uh, there's two passes for the Tuesday night session, two parking passes and a $25 Pizzaville gift card. These are donated by our good people at Pizzaville. Thank you, Angelo. Thank you, Nella. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, These are great, great tickets. Uh, It's an event. You'll thoroughly enjoy yourself. The numbers, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Give those numbers a call. We don't have anybody on the line yet. Uh, first caller in, we'll pick up these passes. That They're fantastic. It's a fantastic event. And like I said, next Sunday we'll be talking to the, to the head of Tennis Canada, Kelly Mermitz, we'll be talking about the Rogers Cup. Golf at the Olympics, Naz. Um, you know, we chatted about it a bit. And I never understood. I, I just, you know, golf, tennis at the Olympics. Um, I think Rob Broxborough makes makes a really good point. I think it's got nothing to do with Zika, and and no, I know I, you've made I that. Agree. I don't think it's got anything to do with Zika. Uh, um, we had Dick Pound on the show about a month ago. Whether and you know I I don't want to uh, tar tar all these athletes with with a brush. They all have their individual reasons for not going. Does drug testing have anything to do with it? Maybe yes, maybe no. I'm not pointing the finger at any specific golfer, but you know, maybe golfers just don't want to have to go uh, be tested, have their blood taken or pee in a bottle or whatever, however you get tested. Maybe they just don't want to have that done to them. Um, uh, but I think it's got more to do with the, the line of reasoning that Rob Roxbury, it's, it's just not important to some of these golfers. Like he said, they didn't grow up wanting to win the gold medal in the Olympics. They grew up wanting to win the Masters. They grew up wanting to win the Open Championship, uh, the U.S. Open. That, that's their Stanley Cup. And for them to take a couple of weeks off to go to Brazil and fit that into their schedule, to do something that they really don't have a huge interest in, uh, I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, I do too. I, I think the drug testing has something, something to do with it, I think. I, I think the other. I think the part the about that it's stuff, not important to them is the yeah, bigger reason. Yeah, I really, I do. I, I just don't think. I think a lot of them thought it was a great idea uh, originally, and as they got closer and closer to the event, some of them just said, "Do I really want to drag my ass down to Rio with my caddy and my entourage uh, when I'm doing this, this, and this? And I've got other tournaments. I've got. I don't know. Is it the Ryder Cup this year? I think it's the Ryder Cup this year, as opposed to the Presidents Cup. I can't remember. I mean, these guys got full schedules, and, and to fit something else into their schedule that really isn't a priority for them. And, I mean, this goes to the whole thing about, you know, professional athletes that already have their own sports, where they already have their own Hall of Fames, where they already have 
uh, whole competition and schedule and all of that stuff. Um, I can't see the Olympics as necessarily uh, a big thing for them. Um, or, or should it be? I mean, the Olympics originally was all about amateur athletes. Yeah, but that, the amateur status went out the window with what the Russians and the East Germans did back in the day, right? So I think it professionally, it, it should be for the best athletes. I agree with you, though. The golfers are in a little different situation for sure. Just as it doesn't make any sense for, uh, to me anyways, uh, golf in the Olympics. Anyways, we've got a few minutes left. If uh, We'd love to take a couple of quick calls, uh, chat some sports, 416 Three six zero zero seven four zero, toll free one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Give you those numbers again four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Just just wanted to bring up one fact with the Argos. We talked to Neil about the Argos, and they're behind the eight ball on the media side. We talked about this uh, off air. You know, Rogers, who has the Fan 590, doesn't care about the Argos. You hear very little about the Argos on that station. TSN's ratings are very poor at the radio uh, station. Their ratings aren't very good, so they don't get a lot of media attention, even though they do own the Argos. And they are behind the eight ball when it comes to media, Wally. We'll take a quick call, and we'll get back to that point. Quick call from Rick from Aurelia. Rick, are you on the line? Rick, are you on the line? No, nope, we don't have Rick on the line. Must hang up. Argos, um, you're saying it's a media issue. Uh, we've talked part about it, part of it. Part of it's a, a media issue. Um, I, I don't. I don't know why um, we have these midweek games. The first game you went to, Naz, was a Thursday night. Yeah. The game that got all the criticism this week was a Wednesday night. Yeah, and they're playing Monday. They're week playing Monday. Monday. Week Monday. Um, I mean, if the Argos were the biggest hit in town, that may or may not make a huge difference. But they're they have they have a loyal core constituency, which will come rain or shine, freezing cold weather will go down. But they're trying to attract some fans that maybe aren't as passionate, and it's it's exceedingly difficult to get to Exhibition Stadium from the north end of the city. Um, if you're coming down from Vaughan, if you're coming down from Richmond Hill, if you're coming down from Brampton, if you're coming down from parts of Mississauga, um, the other side of town, uh, you've got to get downtown at 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night, heading down by car, because the public transportation opportunities to go to Exhibition Stadium uh, from the north end of the city are, are pretty slim. Uh, so it's basically, you want to get down here? Uh you know, head over to, you know, somehow get yourself to the subway, somehow get yourself to Union Station, and then get yourself from Union Station over to um, over to uh, BMO. And you got to do all that by 7, 7.30 and fight traffic. Um, I'd like to, you know, I, I, to me, it just makes more sense. Football, to me, seems to be a weekend sport. Certainly is in the States. Um uh, somehow, the Toronto FC draws down there too, uh, though. So they draw thirty thousand people sometimes, and um, and and that's fine. But you know, you, uh, the Toronto Argos are in a building block stage. They got to build their fan base back. I think you've got to try and try and make it a little bit more convenient for them. And certainly at this time of year, 
wouldn't a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon make more sense? It, it just makes more sense to me. Anyways, I want to take a quick call from Kevin from Buffalo. Kevin, good morning. How are you this morning? Gentlemen, good morning and a very pleasant Sunday and new week to the both of you. And a quick comment on the Major League Baseball trading deadline coming up and, of course, with our Blue Jays, Toronto. I, go, I feel it's going to be quite interesting on Mr. Jose Batista and what direction the Blue Jays may go with him. And I, I just feel after the great success last summer and all of the trades and so forth, it's going to be interesting what direction Mr. Shaparo and the Blue Jays will go. And I feel with Mr. Batista, he's been such a great ball player for the Blue Jays. A lot of big decisions will be coming up. And, and real quickly, closing, what a great Wimbledon last week. Uh, the Canadian tennis player, it was so exciting, and just a lot of good tennis played. And for the future, it will be very exciting because this kid is going to be good for a long time. Kevin, and we want to thank you so much. I, we got a couple of minutes left. I want to give Naz an opportunity to respond to that. Uh, trading deadline, Blue Jays, Naz. Um, I don't think Batista be gone because he's on, he's on a five and ten year uh, deal, right? Where he can uh, waive any trade coming to him. But the trade that they're talking about for Batista is a straight talent for talent type of thing, like a Cespedes for Batista. That's what they're talking about him, and they will not sign both of them for next year. Encarnacion or Bart- and Batista not together. I think they signed Encarnacion and not Batista, so they may have to do something with them. Well, certainly the, the I can't see them signing both at the kind of numbers they're going to have to throw around. And Encarnacion seems like the more logical, I I, cheaper may be the wrong, when you're talking over $20 million a year, you know, it you know, may be the wrong adjective, but he's probably the cheaper alternative to Bautista and younger. So that logically, that makes the most sense. Uh uh, Naz, uh, you're our resident baseball uh, baseball expert in the studio here. Uh, Jays have had a little bit of a rough ride uh, last couple of days. They had, a, they had a great run, got down to about one and a half. Now they're back to four and change. Um, they're four out. They're four out. Uh, your assessment, uh, are we uh, are we still, obviously still in the thick of it, but uh, well, how do you foresee the Jays' fortunes? You know, it, it's a, it's a blip. Blip in the system, I think. Wally, I, I don't, I don't see I, the Jays will be there at the end. They'll either, either be a wild card or, or win the American League East. That's the way I see it. And uh, you notice that uh, their home record has really improved uh, in the past uh, twenty games, twenty or twenty-five games. And if they continue to play well at home, they'll be right there. Anyways, it's 10 a.m., which means that we've got to get off the air. I just want to announce the winner of our, of our uh, Pizzaville Rogers Cup contest. The winner is Georgina from Etobicoke. Georgina, somebody will be in touch with you, and we'll be getting those passes in your hands, and uh, you'll have a great time at the Rogers Cup. Uh, uh, certainly, it's been a fantastic uh, week this week, Naz, and it's going to be a fantastic week. Uh, this week coming up, Kelly Mermitz will be on our show next Sunday. Uh, the head of Tennis Canada. We're certainly looking forward to that. Uh, To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.